0: No lights shine in the windows, but the front door is unlocked. Monsieur Benjamin Sim is a stately man of a certain age. On this cold January night, he has returned from a formal dinner and stands on the front porch of his well-preserved Boston home with a dusting of snow on his top hat. He uses his cane to push open the door. There should be men outside, but they are not. There should be lights on and tea brewing, but the house is dark and quiet. Benjamin Sim is not surprised. The work he does, the company he runs, he is a man with enemies. He could go to a neighbor's house to call the police, but if his enemies have reached his home, that would only delay the inevitable. He will not be intimidated. Monsieur Sim enters his home and ascends the stairs to his study. A man is waiting for him inside. Just one. He has a glass of whiskey in one hand and is reading Monsieur Sim's private diary with his other. Find a comfortable chair and pour yourself a drink. It's time for Neon Jezebel.
1: This episode of Neon Jezebel will return in just a moment, and you won't want to miss it. I got a look at the script earlier, and it's a thriller from beginning to end. But first, a word from our sponsor, Baby Blue Manitore Cigarettes. Dimensional pockets are the scourge of our age. These areas of friction between fifth dimensional space and our fourth dimensional space can have highly damaging effects on your mental health. Those who come too close to one of these pockets frequently suffer an acute affliction of the nerves that may become permanent. The only defense against this ailment is mannitorine, an all-natural product found in certain species of mushroom. Ingesting just 5 milligrams of mannitorine can greatly reduce the harmful effects of dimensional pocket proximity. For my money, the best mannitorine product on the market is Baby Blue Mannitorine Cigarettes. They are the fastest and most affordable mandatorine source on the market. Baby Blue mandatorine cigarettes are wrapped in the patented baby blue fast-catching paper, which burns hotter and faster than any other cigarette paper available. That way you get the defense you need right when you need it. Nothing else in your pharmacist's case provides better protection for your psychological well-being. In fact, Dr. Thomas Syme, the world's leading expert on extra-dimensional affective disorder, smokes baby blues himself. The Syme Institute has given its seal of approval to this fine product and recommends everyone living in a high-risk area carry a pack with them at all times. Doctor's orders. So remember, that's baby blue, mandatory, and cigarettes. Ask for them by name. And now, on with the program. Why don't you have a seat, Mr. Syme? It is your house, after all. Do you mind if I pour myself a drink first? Sure thing, though I took the liberty of removing your gun from the sideboard. A worthy precaution, kid. Ah, I see you went for the Four Roses. I don't suppose you've had a whiskey this fine in a good long time. My niece doesn't stock liquors, and I for one found the bars in Lake Placid rather pedestrian. You are Jackson Edgewater, aren't you? I am. I'm here to discuss Rosamond's final charge of my employment. And what a thrilling employment it must have been. Six dead. Two of them were your girl, Della Kane's, doing. Yes, well, she is private to a fool. You're a curious man, Mr. Edgewater. You see, I checked up on you. I have friends in very high places. Congratulations to your brother on making it to the Senate. I hear the papers positively savaged his opponent. Rosemond claimed that you were in the Praetorian Guard during the war. And I thought, damn, that's lucky. Two Praetorian Guards? That girl's really done well for herself. Strange thing is, the Department of War has no records of a Jackson Edgewater in the Praetorian Guard. In fact, they have no records of a Jackson Edgewater serving in the war at all which tells me you're a first-rate car man. Now, I could use someone of your skill set in my organization. I'll stop you there. This is not a job interview, and no amount of money you have is of any use to me. In fact, the salary I drew from Rosamond went right into a bank account that I turned back over to her as a wedding present. So she really did elope with that other fella she hired. I was one of the witnesses at the courthouse. Did you sign your real name? If you really did, give back the money, you're not a con man, which means that Jackson Edgewater is a pseudonym. It would be most impolite of you to avoid the marriage by signing a false name. Well, maybe you can get one of your fancy friends to track down a copy of it. That still doesn't prove you were ever a member of the Praetorian God. If you need confirmation of that, go check on your men. They're off sleeping in their beds, still in their hats and coats, I imagine. At the academy, once we had mastered the voice itself, we had to learn to resist it. They'd pair us up, and one would use the voice on the other. We'd just tell them to sleep. The other guy would be humming in the voice. If you do it right, the command has no effect. If you do it wrong, you get this glassy sort of look in your eye and walk straight back to your bunk. If no one wakes you, you'll be out for a few hours at least. I see. So this final discharge from my niece, what's about? If you were going to kill me, we wouldn't be having this nice, polite conversation. She explained the whole thing to me. You used two agents, Ryan Wolf and Della Kane, to manipulate those people from the Church of the Hero Jesus to kidnap Rosamond. Once the newspapers identified them as members of that church, it started a scandal around the church's founder, a man... Just so happened to be running against your brother for a seat in the Senate. Is that about the measure of it? More or less, there were the safeguards in place to make sure Rosemond wasn't harmed. physically. Va Minik mich starker Klein wie so when I was seeing the new Mr. and Mrs. Gabriel off at the station, your niece gave me a letter. My last assignment. She included this address and charged me with visiting a reckoning on all those responsible for her kidnapping. This is my reckoning. You break into my house, drink my whiskey, and send my gods to bed without their supper? She left that to my discretion. But there is a reckoning coming for you, Mr. Syme. Make no mistake. You and I are having this polite conversation because I'm going to give you a chance to hold that reckoning off. If you can make yourself useful, I'll give you the time you need to get your affairs in order. There are things you know that I want to. An interrogation, then. Why don't you just use the voice on me? Because you know I can. More often than not, that does the job. Folk tend to be averse to having their wills subverted. I suppose that's true. All right, kid. How about you tell me what you want to know, and then we'll decide how much coercion you're gonna need. Where is Della Kane? What do you want with her, Shelly? She's not your vengeance list. She was just following orders. She claimed to have extra-dimensional affective disorder. Rosemond was convinced that Miss Kane had somehow. Passed through one of those dimensional pockets. Now, the newspapers say that's impossible, that everything that's been seen going into a pocket never comes back out. We had plenty of those pockets in France. I got to see what standing too close to one of those does to a man. That's part of why I took the job guarding Rosamond. Anyone that's trying to help folks with EDAD is doing the Lord's work as far as I'm concerned. Those lectures she gave drew in all kinds of people. Working for her, I met a man who's doing some work not unlike what Dr. Syme is doing. He reckons that if Delacane's abnormalities are the result of exposure to a pocket, that he could learn a few things from her tissue samples. You mean vivisecta. Blood samples. Spit samples. A few feathers. If it goes farther than that, I'll put a stop to it. This is the part where you tell me I'm wasting my time because Della Kane came by her abnormalities some other way. I could, but why bother? She was beautiful before it happened. I met her at a gentleman's club here in Boston. This was, uh, seven years ago. The girls did song and dance routines. If you paid a little extra, one of them would bring you drinks to the table, then join you for a few rounds. Most of them would put on baby doll voices and bombard you with empty compliments for half an hour. Della was different. Her conversation was sparkling, and she was a dazzling cold reader. After the first round was done, she would start betting the men at the table that she could read the minds. It was small things, tricks you see in a mentalist show, but a damn good show. The other men at the table kept you honest, and she walked away with another thirty dollars. I offered her a job with the Atlantic Network. Some of those kinds of brains is useful to me. step up and pay, and she wouldn't have to flash her knickers at anyone. About four years ago, I had her investigating something for a client. Things went wrong, and she ended up running from the police. I don't know what really happened, because I wasn't there, and she is not fond of talking about it. The police said she had driven a motorcycle through a pocket, then crashed. As you say, all the scientists claim that's impossible. The police took her to a hospital and that hospital transferred her to another. It took me three months to get her out of there. She was useless for field work after that so I put her in my strategy department. It was good for her mind, I think. As said, when an opportunity to return to the field came up, she jumped on it. As brilliant as she was behind a desk, She's the kind of girl that needs to be out there, in the world, getting her hands dirty. The accident didn't change any of that. So where is she now? I haven't a clue. After the Neon Jezebel operation, I was sending her to her office in London. The government has snatched up all the strategically-minded people that they can, and I needed someone I could trust to handle some important new clients. She never boarded the ship, and London hasn't heard from her. Mr. Syme, your organization is responsible for keeping tabs on dozens, even hundreds, of people. Do you really expect me to believe that one of your own has fallen off the map? I don't know what else to tell you, kid. Tell me the truth. Della Kane is a WOL. She was supposed to take a ship from Boston to London. The ship's captain said she never boarded. The London office of the Atlantic Network has not received word from her. Damn it! (sighs) So there's the voice. That's a strange sensation. Do what you can to find Kane. I'll be back to see how it's going. And Mr. Syme, I met a lot of men in the Praetorian Guard. See, the doughboys didn't trust us much, so we were all the company we got over there. President Wilson was hell-bent on getting every man he could into the program. Men from all over the country and from every walk of life. What I mean to say is, I've got friends in high places too. Keep that in mind. Podcasts are the newest and most exciting way to hear your favorite audio programs on the go, but you already knew that. What you may not have known is that the success and longevity of a podcast depends on you, our loyal listeners. If you've enjoyed the adventure, mystery, and heartbreak of this program, the best way to show your appreciation is by rating and reviewing our show on Apple Podcasts. These reviews make the show more visible on the Apple Podcasts main page which means that more people can discover what you already know. When you're in the mood for cozy noir adventure, nothing satisfies quite like Neon Jezebel. But it's up to you to let the world know. So why not take this moment to head over there now and rate and review? Afterwards, you can follow us on Instagram at Neon Jezebel Podcast, all one word. That's Neon Jezebel Podcast on Instagram. And now, we continue with our show.
0: From the Chamberlain of the Rose and Chain Dear Mr Walker We have received your letter regarding your continued investigation into the woman de la Caine. The elders are considering your request to task the men who know things with determining her current whereabouts. Your argument are persuasive. They understand that dimensional pockets are a serious public health concern and, given what you have uncovered about her, it follows that she could be helpful in learning more about the phenomenon. However, the Rosen chain does not, at this time, have the resources to implement any knowledge gleaned from Miss Kane. Taking up this endeavour would require resources beyond the men who know things and this additional cost to society must be considered. As things stand, it is the position of the elders that this investigation you have undertaken is in the public interest, and will continue to provide you with the resources of local vigilance committees as you attempt to locate this woman. However, they are not prepared to apply the resources of the men who know things, nor the development of assets that could make use of de la Caine's information. That is as it stands. After much debate, it was decided that these resource expenditures could be balanced by you. Were you to enlist in one of the Rosen Chain's Vigilance Committees, the Society could take your services as a vigilante as recompense for the expenditures you have requested. Should you accept, you would be stationed in Silkhaven. If you wished, you could resume the mantle of Mr. Smoke, following in the footsteps of your father and maternal uncle. The Silkhaven Committee has an agent that could be assigned to the mantle of Miss Miro, should you consent we understand that you might feel protective of your mother's vigilante alter ego, so we shall not permit anyone to take the name without your consent. Allowances would be made for your responsibilities at the Walker Corporation, as the company's endeavours remain important to the society's larger mission. Additionally, should the men who know things discern De La Kane's location, you would be permitted to travel, so that you could apprehend her yourself. Once she is in the custody of the Society, your role in the further investigations would be negotiable. To reiterate, should you decide against enlisting in the Vigilance Committee, you would continue to have access to the services we have supplied thus far. These expenditures are in recompense for the services rendered by the Walker Corporation. To broaden these expenditures will require investment from you. We await your reply. Signed the Chamberlain of the Rose and Chain, Novissimi Primi e Primi Novissimi.
1: Dear Vivian, my inquiries here in Boston have reached an end, and I will be returning home shortly. I will remain in Boston for a few days to make a proper farewell, and this letter goes ahead of me. As I said in my last letter, I have been the guest of the White Eagle League. They generously put me up in their headquarters so that my stay here could remain off hotel books. What strange bedfellows hospitality and skullduggery make. Speaking of bedfellows, I mentioned that I may have a companion joining me in Silkhaven. She's a lovely and courageous woman, who goes by the moniker Helvetia. She is Swiss by birth, but took issue with her country's stance on the Great War. She worked with several militias in France before attaching herself to an American army unit. The captain was so grateful for her assistance that he helped to come to America. During the war, she got rather the taste for direct action, and she has found plenty of that here as a member of the White Eagles. Though not a native Bostonian, she is thoroughly knowledgeable of the city. During my time here, she and I have cut a swath through the fine restaurants and lunch counters this city has to offer. I propose that she join me when I return to Silkhaven. She understood that while I'm not quite ready for a Marie Antoinette, I could certainly provide for the lifestyle of a Madame de Pompadour. Likewise she has made it known that she is not the sort to marry a man after knowing him for a week. The war is over, after all. On the other hand, she has displayed a happy tolerance for letting a man pick up the cheque. When I made my proposal, she showed every sign of affinity. However, she is not a free woman, so to speak. After talking with the leader of the White Eagles, she informed me that leaving the Vigilance Committee without proper permissions would deprive her of the livable income she draws from the Rosen chain. Were she to join me in Silkhaven, she would have to apply for a transfer to our committee up there. So, for the time being, I will be returning home alone. I say the time being, as I may soon be in a position to aid in that transfer. You see, my investigations into the whereabouts of Della Kane have turned up almost nothing. I spoke with Benjamin Syme, whom you will remember was the man pulling Della Kane's strings in the Rosamond Syme kidnapping. According to him, Miss Kane has gone rogue... I am satisfied that he is telling the truth. Pursuing her further will require resources that the Walker Corporation simply does not have, but that the Rosen Chain does. I have heard from the Chamberlain that the Elders are amenable to taking up the chase. However, to justify the expenditure of resources, they would require me to join a vigilance committee myself. It sounds a small price to pay. After all, Mother and father were members, and they seemed to have only fond memories of the experience. But this matter with Helvetia makes me wonder. I wish I could ask them about it. I have not given the Chamberlain a response yet. While I cannot bear the idea of abandoning my search for Delacaine, I am not yet prepared to step into Helvetia's position. Choosing between one's freedom and one's greatest desire calls for serious contemplation. Right now, though, no decision needs to be made. I'm taking my last few days here to say a proper goodbye to Helvetia. There are still a few notable restaurants that we haven't closed yet. With so much uncertain about our future, I don't want to leave anything undone. I will see you soon, Vivian. Sincerely, your brother... Cranston Walker.
0: Neon Jezebel is written and performed by Zachary Westbrook. Additional voice work by me, Osean Thomas. If you like this show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. You can also visit our website at neonjezebel.com.